A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Blackness Podcast, Season 3, Episode 13, Stardate 948, Mark 56. This week we're talking about Star Trek Discovery, Season 3, Episode 3, People of Earth, which sounds like a 70s progressive rock album name. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, my name is Timitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mr. and Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. And we have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? All right, cool. It is going well. It is going well. We have to figure out how Borat would say that. Oh, well. Very um, nice. It's, just, it's very nice. Yes, <laughs> very nice. Okay. Alrighty, which is, I think, the same thing that the, uh, well, very close to what the, the what are those guys called? The, uh, from Star, from Saturday Night Live, Coneheads. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, mass quantities. Yes, exactly those guys. Alrighty, so, um, yeah, I guess we'll just dig in as we usually do, right? So, um, fact checking some stuff. Uh, oh, this is me. Uh, Point Roberts is a penny enclave of the United States on the southernmost tip of Tawasson Peninsula. Tawasson is part, very, uh, is considered part of the lower mainland or part of Vancouver area. It's a sort of a, it's like a bedroom community where a lot of people work or live in live in Tawasson and they live in White Rock and a few places like that on that same sort of chunk of land. And they would normally commute up to, you know, to uh, Richmond or to Vancouver for work. And it's very near Surrey, which is the biggest, I think, the biggest suburb in Canada. But um, the 49th parallel, if you look on, if you click on the, uh, the, the link, the um, Washington link that I've got there, there's like a picture on the map. The 49th parallel cuts right across and the name of the road is I think it's uh, Roosevelt Drive that goes that cuts this uh, chunk of land in half. So the lower half is is the United States, and the upper half is uh, is uh, Tawasson, right? Um, or you know Vancouver, Canada, whatever. And and so that's what I was talking about last week that that one road divides the the place in half, and it's completely sound, surrounded on three sides. It does have an airport, an international airport, Jaime. So I guess you could you could fly out of there, right? Yeah, Roosevelt right. Road cuts it in cuts it in half. So it's kind of a weird little cut off part of the United States, right? So <laughs> we didn't follow up on whether or not they're landlocked or they're allowed to cross into Canada at all, whatever, right? Like during this closed border pandemic period, I don't... Yeah. The, the way the story was presented here in Washington State, it was like, oh, they're cut off because they can't just go through willy-nilly like they used to do, uh, you know, just a year prior. And um, yeah, in, <laughs> international airport, yeah, I guess because it, it could fly to Vancouver. Um, it's international airport in the getting the plane... <laughs> And somebody gets out and pushes it over over the line, <laughs> sort of way. Like it's certainly not flying to like you know Indonesia or something. So, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, technically mm-hmm. international. Yeah. There's a comment. There's a comment here in, in on the bottom of the page, and the, you know the, the other thing. No, notable residents: uh, Pavel Bure from the uh, National Hockey League, Vancouver Canucks. Right. Mm. Um, Glenn Hanlon lived there. Michael M- Michael McLean, Hollywood you know Emmy Award winner, uh, Hollywood director, producer. You know. 
else is on here? Nancy Wilson from Heart. Um, She's still married to Cameron Crowe? I don't think they're married anymore, no. Uh, Alexander McGillney lived there. He was once a Toronto Maple Leaf, in fact, right? Did he, did he play with the Canucks for a while? Yeah. I guess he must have, right? Yeah. And then he went to Buffalo or something like that. No, right? he started Buffalo. Started Buffalo. Um, apparently, Hart's uh, album Dreamboat Alley was all, Dreamboat Annie was recorded in, uh, oh no, it was recorded in Vancouver, it says. But the, the, the um, guitarist uh, also lived in Point Roberts. So there you go. Already. It's funny, I lived I lived there for, you know, eight months near there, and I never actually went down and checked that out, but that would have been an interesting thing to do, go for a drive and visit the States. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Alrighty, so that's Point Roberts. We talked about that last week. And what else we got here? Oh, yeah, we were talking about um, GMT and UTC. So GMT is Greenwich Mean Time, which is Greenwich is a place near um, England. That's where, like, the clock starts. I don't know why they chose that particular place. But UTC is something we talk about in, in computers, and it's just, it actually is the same time as GMT, but that's Coordinated Universal Time. So that's where we were talking about time zones last week, right? And, John, you got a couple of things? Yeah, um, so we were talking about the circuitous route that packages take coming in and out of the United States, and we weren't sure where FedEx is. FedEx is apparently Memphis, Tennessee. Right, um, right. So that's where I guess some large amount of things get funneled through there and then out to everywhere else. I guess it makes sense. Memphis is right in the middle mm-hmm. of the United States. I do remember seeing a thing on 60 Minutes once about, you know, how shipping works or, or that kind of overnight courier stuff works. Mm-hmm. And it, it, like, I know that everything goes to, to the Memphis and then it's sorted and then distributed all, all overnight, which is amazing, right? Yeah. Um, mind you, I guess that would like it's like if it was flying from New York to to Memphis, it would be like a long flight, oh, five six hours. I guess I could do it. Um, but uh, what, do we know where UPS's headquarters are, or there? Because that's where Apple stuff. We were talking about Apple delivering iPhones, and that goes by UPS, right? So maybe next week we'll we'll know. And uh, off you go, uh, Atlanta, on, Georgia, United States. Oh, Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Was that kind of sort of where your phone went, Jaime, when you were tracing it? Mine went through Tennessee, and I believe it was being delivered by FedEx. Um, Oh, it was FedEx. So for you, okay. And UPS, you said, was in Atlanta. That makes sense because Atlanta um, has, like, the largest, most populous uh, or or most busy airport, I think, in that region. So it kind of makes sense as a hub for Delta. Also a hub for The Walking Dead. Um, (laughs) And the TV show. Yeah, exactly. So... um, um, I'm curious. So, so Apple, does Apple stuff delivered by FedEx or by UPS for you guys in, in Seattle? Um, I haven't bought a phone in three years. So this is the first one that I bought in a while. And I could have sworn the other one was UPS. So I don't know why this one was FedEx. Um, yeah. Cause, cause I mean, everything I've ordered through Apple in the last, you know, 10 years. And as you know, I've ordered quite a few things always came to UPS. It used to drive me crazy because, cause they were, you know, the, the drivers were, I swear they had, they hide across the street and wait till you're not looking and then they run up and stick a sticker in your door and run away right so right sorry we missed you but now i now i have a um you know a doorbell camera so they can't they can't you know play that game anymore so i figured them out yeah you, you, the the uh the ups folks are you've got like the the ghillie suits on and they're <laughs> crawling out of the the swamp near your house to, yeah, to, yeah. to deliver <laughs> when you're not there yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the last phone that literally came to my house, I took the dog for a walk, and, and around the corner, the FedEx, the UPS truck was parked. And so I just said to Mac, we're going back home. And sure enough, like five minutes later, the guy walked up to the door. I would have missed him. Like, I would have missed the delivery if I had t- continued on the walk with Mac, right? So <laughs> anyway, all right. So what, what's your next uh, follow-up? Or fact check item there, Jonathan? Yeah, we were talking about the 
reboot of or the uh, sequel to Willow coming to Disney Plus. Uh, Jaime brought this, that news to us last week. And I had mentioned that there was a series of sequel novels that had been penned by George Lucas and Chris Claremont. Uh, I was trying to fish for the names. I got two of them. I said Shadow Moon and Shadow Dawn. I couldn't remember the last one. And uh, I have it out on my bookshelf. So I went and looked um, and it's Shadow Star. So Shadow Moon, Shadow right. Dawn and Shadow Star are the trilogy that take place uh, many years after the events of willow whether or not they'll use those for disney plus's new series remains to be seen yeah i think we i think we have a copy of shadow moon here it looks familiar yeah. the name anyway yeah uh, i know we have a george lucas art cover here but i don't know if anybody's actually cracked open read it in our household um we were also talking i was talking about uh, world of worlds last last week and because uh, i said it was from 1999 and it's it's being broadcast here as a new show although rogers doesn't mark it as new which means i have to like you know change my p settings like an animal but it was actually produced by Canal Studios in in the UK, same people who brought us Shaun of the Dead, as a matter of fact. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's, and it's on. It was on BBC One production, so uh, it stars you know Gabrielle Byrne and a few other people, and it's a little bit of a different take on the whole world of worlds. I think the plot, general plot, is the same sort of thing, but it's it's very reminiscent of um, the Walking Dead, you know, first couple of years of the Walking Dead, where you know people are kind of going, "What the heck is going on here?" and and instead of instead of like um, you know in the world of the worlds, they had these large machines and and the aliens would come down in them here they're more like those um boston dynamics um dogs you know seeing those those robot dogs that the yeah, yeah. boston dynamics produced so they come they kind of walk around they, they you know they take people out but they're, they're like those robot dogs that come through and, and we're not trying to we're trying to figure out what the heck they're doing you know doing this kind of stuff mm. so yeah it's a good show i mean i'm so like i think i'm three episodes in so it's been pretty good i'll keep an eye on it what's uh, up how many you got something um one bit of follow-up is or 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 fact checking i'm not sure how what, what to call it here i guess we're, we're, we're checking the facts of what is fact checking uh star trek discovery like on normal broadcast cbs so i oh, took you watch the show Ooh, okay yeah i took you, you guys said hey you can watch whichever one i was like all right well context is for kings season one episode three is the one i chose as my homework and i watched and i, I took a few notes um one that i thought was interesting given what happening in season three um with the burn event is that they very casually mention when the um michael burnham's on the shuttle with the other uh inmates being transported um and you know the discovery ends up saving them they jail, sort yeah. of casually make this statement that like oh they're being moved because uh they were at a dilithium mine and some of it went uh piezoelectric and boom it exploded which is which is interesting so i wonder if if that's something that was pre-planned uh that far ahead that they were going to go with the burn as a concept or if the writers uh, threw that in casually and then say hey you know this might be a good idea for us to pick up again and, and move forward with for season three that's interesting piezoelectric means it like it was it was had a pressure put on it right so i think like piezoelectric um charges come off when you put when you have a piezo material and you put pressure on it like these them in as triggers and midi instruments like drum kits and stuff like that so interesting stuff and they also can be like be used for speakers and buzzers and stuff anyway, um uh, other quick note is uh, we were wondering where commercials would go and they do seem to be in sort of logical places you know fades to black uh cuts to black um 
um, the kind of thing where something dramatic has happened. So in this case, the very first commercial occurs when Discovery saves the shuttle. So you, you see the, the ship coming out of nowhere and using the tractor beam to save the shuttle from doom. The, you know, where did they, they make cuts so they could put in commercials? Um, one thing is that the intro song is a jingle at best in the like Intel boom, 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 or NBC boom, boom, boom sort of jingle. Like they do not sued. show any of the intro other than the very last part that's sort of the discovery sort of swooping towards the camera and it is 10 seconds at best which is, is that the little the little intro, introduction cartoony thing yeah yeah they just say you know you're watching discovery here you go <laughs> you know wow really it, it, it is shockingly short i thought oh okay i got used to watching on you know cbs all access where i i see the whole music i, I like the intro music for discovery and uh, they cut there uh the second commercial in that particular episode is when tilly finds out that uh her new roommate is michael burnham and is uh the the michael burnham mutineer um and they go to black alert and she turns away you know away from michael and it's kind of a scary interesting thing uh and, and coming back from commercial they just completely cut out that uh material synthesizer cgi and just go to the, like oh michael has a finished uniform now like she's pulling it oh, out really? of a like, toaster wow. oven or something like they didn't show the little cubes lightning storm thing of the synthesizer thing yet. so they, it looks like they they found places where hey this isn't critical plot let's just go ahead and cut uh and otherwise uh, other than maybe some smaller non-noticeable edits because i didn't write notes about it and i didn't notice it seemed like a normal episode from that point right yeah yeah so did, that, they move the, did they move the cast credits to the end because they would have taken the cast credits out of the title sequence right oh ooh, i didn't pay attention to that that's a good point if they don't show it in the intro um yeah because that's where they have all the credit. main actors names right yeah yeah so maybe i got to do the um secondary follow-up i got to go look up somewhere in the notes where like we, we were wondering how do they deal with klingon boobs spoiler season one has klingon boobs so yeah yeah let's see what they show for that critical scene i, I gotta go find the episode and then when it airs i can i can watch and see what did they do with the the cast credits just to see the klingon boobs no I, i'm pretty sure <laughs> i'm not gonna see them but you know that is an area where it's like hmm how would you cut that one and yet still get the point across of what's happening to this character well did you yeah. did you keep an ear open for the swears i don't recall swears in that particular episode i'm sure there might have been some but there wasn't any you know this is the power of math people kind of yeah that, you know that, this is really cool swears, mm, right? yeah. mm -hmm. i don't think that happens in that episode so I, it, it wasn't a noticeable one yeah interesting yeah so yeah and, and it's interesting about the the little title sequence you talked about because the the part where the the ship sort of flies towards the, the camera um is the part where they, they drop in the original series theme the da -da -da, you know yeah that that's thing, why right? <laughs> that's why it's like an nbc jingle boom 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 and then, all right done it's like that's the end of yeah, the title well, card <laughs> yeah because they have that whole sort of like leading in part with the animations and they showed like the you know the glove and they show a little bit of the, the red angel and that kind of stuff and you know tricorder or something like none that. of that is like dun, 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 and then ends <laughs> really <laughs> well, well, so I, like I, they don't even have the whole the whole um discovery theme song in there at all no right? no it's a beautiful uh, theme song I've, I've i've liked it for um yeah, I, I maybe i'm 
saying something factually untrue that maybe I wasn't uh, really into it when we first started the, yeah. the series. But yeah. like having seen it episode by episode for, you know, two going into three seasons, I'm like, yeah, I actually really like this song. And I was very shocked <laughs> when it did not start the way that I'd expected and that it uh, was so short. Yeah. Oh, that bad, the bad edit a couple of weeks ago, I was humming it before the, that's the cold opener, but <laughs> the discovery part, not the, the original series part. Anyway. All right. So moving on. So here's my big complaint about this entire episode that we just watched today. Like right from the very get go, I'm like, what the F? I, you know, I can't believe I'm watching a, a science fiction show that's like totally not based in actual science because uh, as it says here, I said last week and I'm backing it up with the fact that the American Academy of Dermatology says that hair grows half an inch per month on average, which basically means that a grand total of six inches of hair can be grown on a human head in a year, right? Burnham's hair is at least 24 inches long and it's braided, which means it's longer than that. Having had long hair and having had children with long hair, I can tell you fake news, her hair is not like legit for like if she was, if her hair had grown that much from the first episode of, of this season to the third episode, which is where we are now, it'd be like four years, maybe five years of worth of hair there. So not buying it. Yeah, I, I had flagged that in my notes. So I took the notes for tonight's episode and I had flagged that, you know, they do that sort of montage. We'll get into it. They got into, they do a little montage where you see her hair visually growing yeah, uh, over yeah. the course of the time that she's looking for discovery. But then I thought to myself, you know, maybe this is us applying 21st century logic to a 32nd century problem. You mean you can replicate extensions now? Maybe, maybe there's something that stimulates hair growth. I know as somebody who is follicularly challenged that <laughs> I would like to think that 900 years from now that, you know, you just, you go, you press a button, you get a, you know, jar comes out of the dispenser and you rub some so cream on your head. Doctor or, or Captain Picard or, or Leland, you know. Maybe they choose that. Maybe, you know, it's a, it's a vanity thing. Maybe she just was like, I want to change my hair. So she like, you know, pressed the magic hair button on the replicator and... She's sitting around waiting for Discovery to show up? Yeah. She was like, you know what? I got nothing else to do with my time. I'm going to mess with my hair. Like, knitted a sweater or something in the same time? Well, I bet you it takes as long to knit a sweater as it does to t tie that hair. That's incredibly long. <laughs> yeah, and That's Tim, true. you know, canonically, we've never seen enough of Picard's sort of daily routine that uh, going along Jonathan's lines, if you've ever used um, those like Play-Doh sets that you like squish through and the strands <laughs> come up and then you yeah, sort of cut thing. it. Yeah, Maybe yeah, Picard yeah. really likes doing that every morning of like, <laughs> I'm explicitly choosing not to have hair. So I'm going to grow yeah. out all this hair with little, you know, magic serum or whatever right, it is right. that they do. And like, I'm just going to shave it all right now. So it's nice and clean. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, interesting. That's yeah, funny. I just watched, I just finished watching um, All Good Things. Um, it, was, it was replayed in two parts last night mm. or two nights ago. And uh, so I watched the, the second half where Riker's got the, you know, the gray beard and the gray hair and, and Picard's got the gray beard, but no hair. And Data's got the streak of hair, you know, because he wants the gray to, to be distinguished looking. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Everything is sort of interesting how they aged the characters and these, and it's all about, you know, their, their facial hair and how their hair is, you know, handled, whatever. Right. So. Nothing says time has passed like hair growth. That's true. That's true. Or lack thereof. Yeah, and Warp has the big, you know, Klingon, you know, 70s hair, hair band look, you know? Yeah. All righty, let's move on to our headlines. So what do you got for us, Jonathan? Yeah, uh, cool stuff this week. So uh, we had gotten the news that we were going to get a series from Disney Plus uh, around the Marvel character Moon Knight. Well, this mm -hmm. week, the story started flying fast and furious that they were in negotiations, Disney was in negotiations with Oscar. Isaac to play the Moon Knight and uh 
I still haven't seen any stories that say is 100% confirmed. Uh, it just is that they are entering negotiations. But um, again, that's an A-list talent to play uh, a TV show. So they're not messing around. They're doing, you know, big pieces, which made me immediately think, oh, so then they must have plans to incorporate this character at some point into the uh, cinematic universe, uh, you know, writ large. Maybe he will become an Avenger or something else down the line because Oscar Isaac is, uh, you know, an A-list star. I mean, this guy just, you know, was one of the co-leads of the new Star Wars uh, trilogy. He's, you know, obviously got a lot of, uh, of uh, you know, accomplished things in his belt as far as sci-fi goes, let alone the other stuff. But I mean, he was an ex machina, which was outstanding. I thought he was really, really good in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is like a, a really nice little coup and a nice, nice signing to potentially play the character of Moon Knight. I think we talked about it very briefly, but Moon Knight as a character, he's sort of a Batman-esque character. He, you know, where goes out at night and he wears the cape and the mask and the whole bit but uh in the comics he's also he's very mentally disturbed he's got some some real mental health issues um and so he's a very complex character and i think that isaac could bring some real uh some interesting stuff to that role what do you guys think i know nothing about the character but i I do know his his portrayal and in say like uh it was he in rogue one I think so. Right? No, no, he was Poe Dameron in the in Poe Dameron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, Poe Dameron. Yeah. So the difference between Poe Dameron and and the the dude, the rich dude in in um in uh, oh, Ex Machina. Uh, Ex Machina. Yeah. I mean, like they're yeah. I mean, completely different characters, completely different mm-hmm. portrayal, mm-hmm. which is you know very effective, right? Like you know, I wouldn't have thought of them necessarily as the same people, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and actually the other guy from Star Wars is in that too. The guy who plays yeah. Fox, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah, I'm not super familiar with the Moon Knight character. I do vaguely remember having one old comic book that i read as a as a kid and thinking that it was sort of uh batman-esque but um yeah i really don't know much about the character so kind of excited to see uh how they explain it to to sort of modern audiences and what they decide to do to simplify things well and it's, especially given the dearth of uh, movies right now the fact that they're willing to have you know a-list stars and put them on disney plus i'm <laughs> yes please yeah mm-hmm. cool so next next up uh we were talking last week about justice league the uh, snyder cut that is being made for hbo max in the united states and uh I'm guessing Crave here in Canada. Uh, we had talked about the fact that they were bringing Jared Leto in to film some scenes as the Joker, even though he had not been in that film previously. Well, this week we got news that there are apparently also in negotiations to bring back another villain that had been in uh, previous DC Universe films, but not in the Justice League. So Deathstroke makes uh, an appearance in... Oh, now I'm going to remember. Is it the end of, I think, Superman? versus Batman? Or is it Justice League? I can't remember. He has a cameo at the mm-hmm. end of one of the movies, and there was talk that that meant he was going to be one of the stars. He was going to come back. He was going to have a bigger role. Uh, it was played by Joe Mangiello. Man, Mangiello? 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 <laughs> I know what he looks like. I know the dude, but I don't know that I can say his name. Anyways, uh, yeah, he was... Sort of one of those characters that they teased, but then never really circled back on. And apparently they are going to cast him in this movie and bring him back and shoot some scenes and sort of tie him into that as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, again, a little perplexing because it sounds like, you know, like we already got the impression that this was going to be a completely different movie. But this sounds like it is mm-hmm. a completely different movie than the one that we got in the theaters. Right, right. Including, yeah, two two new villains now. Pretty neat. So this is this is the, the Wonder Woman actor. 
Aquaman, Batman, Superman thing, right? Correct. So, yeah, and it's all based on DC Comics. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Weird. Yeah. It's, it's just uh, a cut of another movie. Mm. It, it it is like a brand, totally brand new movie, given the extensive changes uh, that we had talked about. Um, but yeah, I do remember. Yeah, I do think it was End of Justice League where in it's Lex Luthor. He's on the boat with Lex Luthor, right? And, who says, "Isn't it time we had a league of our own?" Yeah, and there's a, the, a tease about uh, yeah, like the the. Um, the possibility of that they're going to go down the road of doing a Legion of Doom kind of thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which, you know, gives longtime nerds like me a big uh, comic erection here. Woody, Woody nonetheless. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. Next up, we have a new Netflix series that's coming, and this is going to be based on Assassin's Creed, one of the most popular video game franchises over the past almost 20 years now. Um, Assassin's Creed has already been made into a theatrical film starring Michael Fassbender. I don't know if you gentlemen have seen this film. No, I was wondering about that, yeah. How many have you seen this one? I've seen bits and pieces of the Michael Fassbender one because it was like on TBS or something right when the mm. pandemic started. So I've not sat down and watched it. Um, it seemed all right-ish. I mean, <laughs> I didn't feel compelled uh, clearly to sit and watch it. But um, the Assassin's Creed stuff, I think, could work as a series because they'll have more time to explain what you would sort of get out of the games of like, hey, here is this stuff that happened in the past. We mm-hmm. we put you here in the present in this machine to experience what happened there. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So that, I think that'll like I, it was already feeling a little weirdly rushed for how they were approaching that in a you know two hour movie. Yeah, and, and I think a, a TV series can handle that a little bit better. Yeah, it was um, it was a little clunky as movies go. I, I did not particularly enjoy it. It had some interesting scenes and it was certainly well shot. And Fassbender's a great actor, so you know he brings a little something to it. But um, it was a lot more style over substance, as I recall. Not really a lot of there there. Um, but yeah, I, I think like so many things we we talked about this right now instead of doing a, a two-hour movie where you're really just trying to make people feel like they got their money's worth when you can take your time and do a 10 episode or a 15 episode or whatever season and you can really you know immerse the character and and you know really add a lot of backstory and go a lot of different tangents i think maybe assassin's creed needs that so could be good mm-hmm. oh Jaime, you put this one in here yeah because we were talking about this earlier on our slack channel because i stumbled across this and nobody knows it Jaime had to put it into the notes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was John who put it in. Anyway. Yeah, I can't help but make the uh, Green Lantern series is coming to <laughs> Apple Plus, <laughs> Apple TV Plus. Uh, but no, it is J O N John Stewart, not J O H N John Stewart. The uh, the Green Lantern. Uh, so the the former Daily Show host John Stewart, if you're terribly confused, will uh, come to Apple TV Plus as a series that sounds a whole lot like it's going to be the same sort of uh, you know topical uh, political and cultural commentary that uh, John Stewart did for so many years on The Daily Show and, and people are referencing uh, John Oliver's Last Week Tonight as being something kind of similar. So I think this is a good win uh, for Apple TV Plus. It's the kind of content that, uh, you know, is 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 a draw. So I, I'm excited to see that. So do you think it's going to be like a daily show or is it going to be like Letterman's, you know, show that shows up on, on Netflix every now and then? Ooh, ooh, so it sounds like there are three different ones. So I don't think it's going to be daily. Um, I don't think... Uh, I did not think it would be the um you know once a month roughly sort of thing that letterman's sort of show ends up being if you if you spread it out uh, mm-hmm. I, I could see it being more like last week tonight where they have
have a, a season. Uh, I actually don't know how many episodes they happen to do, but it's it's not 52 weeks, right? But it's roughly weekly. And uh, yeah, they take some hiatuses, like 20, 20 but they, episodes or something. Yeah, talks. they do pretty good chunks of, uh, of Last Week Tonight. And it does sound a lot like The Daily Show, which is still going with Trevor Noah and is, is pretty good, actually. Trevor Noah's done a, quite a nice job of, of uh, filling rather big shoes with Jon Stewart leaving. Um, mm-hmm. Trevor Noah's quite good. And that's why I wonder where this fits, because when you think about what Last Week Tonight is and you think about what The Daily Show is, where does this fit? Is it a humor show? Is it is it a current affairs show? Like, Stewart's gotten pretty hardcore into, uh, you know, activism and politics and stuff for realsies uh, now that he's not doing the show anymore. And it'll be interesting to see if if it's got a harder edge than the Daily yeah, Show did. Like Bill Maher show kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. But we'll have to wait and see. I mean, based on what we've seen of, of Apple TV Plus's types, types of shows, they seem to be very polished and, and you know, like it, it, like a short run series. They don't seem to be like a, they don't have anything that's sort of live and weekly and mm. repeating, right? So yeah, but but maybe that's maybe that's the kind of thing they're looking for because I think I think eventually Apple TV Plus wants to become I would think wants to become something similar to like a, a network a network itself, right? Which yeah. wait till has, next year when the uh, when some of the sports rights start coming available. If they if they take a swing at one of those, that'll change the ballgame. Yeah. Well, it's interesting mm-hmm. because you know we we talked about you, you sent me a link, but I'd already already got an email from Apple saying that you know like my anybody who had Apple TV Plus last year got it usually when they bought the new phone last year, mm-hmm. and so it, it, we would all be expiring right about now, right in terms of in terms of when our free year is up, and and we got a letter saying we're extended until February mm-hmm. uh, sometime. So which tells me a couple of things. One is I, I doubt it's actually a pat on the back and hey we feel so that you have to work from home kind of thing. I think it's that we realize we don't really have a huge audience and they're trying to retain customers that have already got in on the free the free ride, right? Yeah. They want to convert us into into long-term people. And, and the way they're doing, the way they're showing shows now, like, like um, you know, things on Disney Plus and, and Apple, I don't know, Apple's not doing the weekly reveal like Amazon Prime and and, um, and Disney Plus is doing. I don't know if Netflix has done that yet where they have like, you know, tune in next week for the next, next episode kind of thing. Like, um, I know Disney's doing that now with the right right stuff, and and um, we know of course we know the Mandalorian's like that, right? And um, but Apple doesn't. Well, no, I guess Apple did do that too, didn't they? They did the first three episodes of the morning show, and then you had to wait every week for a new episode, right? Mm-hmm. I take that back. Let me rewind, rewind that whole thing. But but I think that in order to retain you know viewers, they have to have a reason for the viewers to come back. Yep. Hopefully nightly, you know, like like mo- like you know most of our network television watching for those of us who still have cable, like you and me, John. We, we, there are channels we tune into on particular nights, like you know, like tonight we would have watched, you know, um, Discovery, but I almost said Deep Space Nine, but you know, <laughs> you know, but but other channels are not just they're not they're not retaining my interest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what they do. So basically, they bought themselves uh, four months more of our time. I wonder what they'll do in those four months to make it worth our while to make us want to make that subscription commitment. Because right now, I can't say that I felt that. John Stewart aside, it's, it's, you know, 
it's still not a rich enough pool of content. There's no must have there that I that I have to have this for. Yeah, like, but the the and the thing about it is we know that you know like if you're talking to John Stewart today, it's going to be months before he's actually yeah. airs a show, yeah. right? So because yeah. you don't stand these things up like that quickly, right? Yeah. Especially in the middle of a pandemic. All right, what's next, Sammy? Yeah. Speaking of uh, apocalyptic scenarios, um, this next one, uh, the Midnight Sky, is a trailer here for a ser- uh, sorry, a um, movie by Netflix. It's going to star uh, Mr. George Clooney. Where this is a premise where Earth, you know, sends out a spaceship, that's sort of like the last best hope for mankind. But before that ship can return with information or data, or hey, we found a place, sort of things, um, apocalyptic things have happened, and the Earth is is just not a place where people should, should come and be. And uh, Mr. Clooney plays a character who is obsessed with not abandoning his mission to um, send radio signals to that ship and tell them, don't don't come here, turn around, there's nothing for you here, everything has gone yeah. bad. Huh. And uh, apparently he befriends a, a, a young child um, who shares that adventure with him. So um, I'm probably doing a very terrible job of uh, describing what, what I saw in the trailer. So uh, I'd say, yeah, we'll have it in the show notes for those of you transporting home. So, so take a look at that. But the, the, the title card here is like, I imagine you all will be in a couple months going to Timmy's <laughs> having to prepare yourself with your, your winter gear. Right, right. So George Clooney palling around with a kid trying to solve science fiction problems. Wasn't that called Tomorrowland? I yeah. was wondering about that as well. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I've seen that flick. He was almost describing the Event Horizon too, right? So Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's an original story. It's an original take on them. <laughs> anyway, next. <laughs> uh, okay, next. Well, speaking of Netflix, uh, news just today that they are once again raising their rates. Um, so we knew that they had raised their rates here. This one, I think, is targeted at the United States. Uh, according to Variety, they are upgrading their $12.99 plan to $13.99, their $15.99 plan to $17.99, and they're going to keep their standard SD plan at $8.99 a month. So right. you're paying right. a buck more or two bucks more unless you are on the very basic package for your Netflix. So in case you're wondering how they can afford George Clooney and Assassin's Creed, the answer is you <laughs> are the reason they can afford those things. Yeah. So we t- I think we talked about this on More Than Just Code a while back um, about what how the, how it works with Jaime. Like you, Jaime, you pay for the number of high-res streams you can have. Is that how that works? Yeah, they, they sort of talk about this here in the article, and I was trying to think to myself, which one am I? I think I'm the $12.99 going to the $13.99 here because um, I don't have the 4 4K plan because I just sadly do not have a 4K television, uh, so no reason to be at that tier. And it appears as if that tier that I'm on for the HD, the high def plan, is limited to two streams, which which sounds about right. I remember thinking it was two or three, um, and that you would get you know three or four in the next higher tier. So that that sort of makes sense. And it looks like the the standard def one stream plan is 8.99. So that that one was one I'd never seriously considered. So um, that, that just sounds about right. They, they tried to find a balance of you're paying more for what? Well, clearly you're paying more for at least HD and paying more from that for 4K. And then they do have some number of like, all right, well, we'll allow you to have how many simultaneous streams, which is sort of like, dude, we... we, we 
we hypothetically say, oh, it's meant for like somebody's in the living room and somebody's in the office and they're watching, you know, the home office watching. But really, it's your family's watching at your house and you <laughs> gave it to grandma and she's watching something completely different in like a different state. Right? Yes. So, Wait, you can do that? What? That's the first time <laughs> hearing of this. Hi, mate. What are you talking so about? Never. <laughs> So uh, is that the same sort of deal that we have here in Canada, Jonathan? Yes. So uh, okay. I have the 4K package, so I pay the for the most because uh, we we do have simultaneous users and uh, all of us have 4K TVs. So right. mm, cool. All right. And without incriminating myself, that is all I will say about that. <laughs> Disney Plus. Anyway, um, and Amazon too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Spotify so, and keep going. Yeah. Audible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we create our own socialism, Jaime. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, what's next, other Jonathan? Uh, yeah, CW. another CW. Another good one. Yeah, CW has finally announced some of its season premiere dates, including its slate of DC Comics related material. So we now know that Batwoman season two is coming on Sunday, January seventeenth. Uh, this one will be interesting because it is a sort of soft reboot of the show since Ruby Rose, who played Batwoman in the first season, has left and really? is now being replaced by uh, Javisha Leslie, who is um, not only bringing a new person to the character, but she's also a black woman. So uh, mm. nice little milestone there. Um, so she's a lead. I don't know if she's also going to be a queer character, because I know that... Um, it was kind of a big deal that not only is Ruby Rose also uh, an LGBTQ person, um, but she is playing one on TV and that that character is out on as a character on TV was pretty important. Um, I don't know if that's where they're going with this, but interesting. And it'll be, uh, I guess we can start watching on the 17th of January and find out. Uh, Black Lightning Season 4 is coming on February 8th. And The Flash and Super Superman and Lois, the new Superman and Lois, TV shows are both coming on February 23rd. So we've got uh, some stuff to look forward to. It's been a little bit of a dry spell as far as sort of new television um, from that world. Everything sort of ended prematurely. None of them got proper season finales for uh, for Flash or for uh, um, some of those other series. They, they just sort of ended. So it'll be interesting to see where they pick up them, where they go from. And then, uh, yeah, a new series in, in Superman and Lewis and a, and a sort of a reboot for uh, Batwoman. So, yeah, looking forward to those. All right. Cool. And last but not least, this one has two links because there was a link that I put in, which has since been taken down. Yes, I saw that. And so I've added a Wikipedia link, which simply refers to the subject matter. I will now introduce mm. this subject. So the good folks at Tor.com, T-O-R, Tor.com, posted an article this week that caught my eye where they mentioned that they had a full list of episode titles for season three of Discovery. And they said that something very interesting could be deduced by looking at the titles. The reason that I wanted to go look is because we were talking about the fact that the first episode of the season was purportedly called That Hope Is You, Part 1. So I wanted to see if there was a Part 2 coming and when it was coming. Right, right. There isn't, so there's that. But the one thing that they did point out, which has now since been their little speculative theory, although I noticed there's a, a Reddit feed on this now too, one of the episodes that's coming up this season... 
and I will tell you that it is episode seven of this season, has a very familiar name title mm-hmm. to an episode of TNG. As a matter of fact, to two episodes of TNG. Spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. If you don't want to hear any more about this, we will be going down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. But season three, episode seven of Discovery is called Unification Three. Right. And Unification One and Two were one of the most important and uh, sort of critical episodes of, or two of the most critical episodes of post-original series Star Trek in bringing the character of Spock into TNG as Ambassador Spock and having him interact with the TNG crew and then tying his sort of future history into uh, the reunification between Vulcan and Romulus and the uh, daughter of Tasha Yar from the alternate timeline line. So again, huge, very important episodes for TNG. Very, very telling that this is Unification 3 as this title, because what we can deduce is perhaps we're going to go down that pathway. Uh, I think it's safe to say that Spock is long since dead, 900 years in the future. Yeah, but Zachary Quinto's not dead. But uh, it will be very interesting to see how they are going to bring that forward. So here's my mm. question to you two. What does Unification 3 mean? Mm. Yeah, I, 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 can, I, I see where it could go um if it is indeed you know hey we had unification one and two focus on vulcan and romulus trying to come together and so maybe this is you know michael burnham and company have to to convince the uh romulans the vulcans like look i know you all have had this thing going on we've tried like you know for a very long time to get you all together and they can be like oh yeah actually this thing happened like you know 700 (laughs) years ago you know spock tried to do that too was like wait really (laughs) okay cool yeah see my brother tried to do that and here i am 930 years later and y'all are still fighting y'all still playing and clowning around just just kiss and make up already and let's rebuild this federation but how would she how would michael burnham know that spock had done that in the future she wouldn't until they tell her like you know she's like you know my brother spock and be like spock really spock the guy from like blah 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 and captain picard she'd be like i don't know who captain picard is but like yes my brother spock (laughs) all right here's my wild theory not a theory here's something i'd love to see they go and encounter the, the Vulcans. They are trying to piece together the whole mystery of what happened to the Federation and the Starfleet and everything else. And they encounter the 700 plus year old android Picard who did not turn off and is in fact still alive and is working with the Vulcans and the Romulans. Picard or Data? Picard. Because Picard's an, Picard's an android now, right? Mm. Oh, is he? Oh, right. Like our Daniel Ovalon. Yeah. Like what if he hadn't, like they said, oh, we, we built in an expiration date. You'll live you know x number more years oh what right. if the yeah, expiration yeah. the expiration date doesn't work what if he's still yeah, out he there? was involved he was involved in in unification that's with, exactly right he, he basically had himself made up to look like a romulan mm-hmm. right interesting hmm. now how would that be for a cameo or a or a crossover to tie the threads together that would be interesting yeah Ooh, yeah and there's no reason why data couldn't be the one either too well he's theoretically dead that. also right yeah well yeah we don't know we don't know what's happened to the, the federation at this point yeah you know all right well we'll see in a scant four weeks yeah we'll know we'll know by december november uh, yeah four weeks from that from tonight yep. we will know and then we will all be revealed but that said it's that time of the night show folks where we dive into discovery season three episode three the people of earth the reason why we're here to talk about this episode so this week jonathan is doing the play-by-play and uh yeah i mean i'll go 
and have a nap. And uh, yeah, there you go. Color uh, commentary, they call it. No way. You guys, you guys will be throwing peanuts from the peanut gallery. It's going to have a thing. Yeah. All right. So. Oh, wait. I've got a whole bunch of things to throw in. Never mind. Carry on. <laughs> uh, I, I will start by just noting that the episode was directed by Jonathan Rikes, our famous uh, number one himself, Captain uh, or Commander William Riker, Captain Riker mm-hmm. of the Titan. Admiral, uh, wasn't he? Uh, I just watched. I just watched. Um, all good things and wasn't he like uh oh, but they didn't, he didn't make that Enterprise. as far as we know in our and under our real future he's not uh, admiral he's just oh. he's uh inactive captain right so let's see tonight's episode so we basically start with uh you know previously on uh discovery and we do the what happened to michael burnham in the year that she was waiting for the discovery to show up so last week we got the big replicating hair extension, yeah, exactly yeah. right we got the uh the big conclusion last week that uh, Discovery had crashed. She came and pulled them out of the of the the parasitic ice, and they were reunited after two episodes. Uh, and then we get the big, you know, sort of gut punch moment where she says, "I've actually been here for a year looking for you guys. I'm so happy you're here." So we go to the one year earlier, and so uh, Burnham is sort of narrating what her life was like. She's hanging out with Book. Uh, she's become a courier, and she is taking these odd jobs, trying to get more dilithium so that she can keep her search going for discovery uh there's this as we talked about earlier lovely little montage that shows her sort of sort of earnestly searching the galaxy as her hair starts to grow and grow and grow and grow and it goes from where we left her at the uh end of the first episode to her very very long locks now um leave to leave it to your imagination how that happened in such short order apparently uh the dermatologists disagree uh and she basically outlines that you know she never gave up hope she was you know doing that she and book were clearly getting close uh and she and book get this sort of call that you know oh they finally have arrived and so then we see her beaming aboard discovery and of course the huge reception for her everybody's so happy to see her knowing that they all made it together and they're reunited uh big hug from tilly big hug from saru and then she sort of you know she hug from detmer and um she's sort of going through the crowd and then she sees through the crowd she sees uh, George Ow is there and that George Ow made it with them and they sort of give each other the sort of lock eyes, head nod. Um, she knows she's not going to get a hug from George Ow, but that George Ow is there is really telling, right? Um, so we start getting a little bit more of the background. She, she says that, uh, you know, yeah, she's been there for a year. She's been searching, but that, you know, this is what's happened as far as the burn. This is what's happened as far as what the state of the universe is right now. She says that she sent a message, finally got a message to Terralisium to try and track down her mom and that they had never heard of her there. So that's kind of an interesting mystery for us to uh, sink our teeth into over the course of the season. What, where is her mom? What happened with her mom? Um, they talk about the burn again and sort of what happened and a uh, very dramatic effect where they sort of show all these ships in space and they all just sort of explode. And when they talk about it, they say, you know, how many people died? Well, it was millions. And um, they say that they, they tracked on this message, right? This message from an admiral from Earth saying, you know, hey, I'm still here. I'm still, you know, holding out hope for all those people who are interested in, you know, sharing that hope with me. Come meet me here at Earth. His name is Admiral Senatal. And uh, the message is apparently sent 12 years ago so they decide okay well then you know what we're going to need to do is you know 
get the spore drive booted up and head for Earth. Uh, but before they do that, they have to settle a little something first. And the question is, who's the boss? So, uh, you know, there's a few sort of looks across the the bridge. Who's going to be it? Who's going to be it? And Burnham basically says, you know, it's not me. I don't know if it's ever been me. And she basically puts her her weight behind uh, Saru as the, the captain. And, uh, and Saru sort of very humbly and uh, in a, kind of a very sweet scene, sort of, you know, everybody sort of nods and says, you know, yes, okay. And then he gets and he's about to sit down in his chair and then he gives a little speech and says, you know, yeah, we're in this together and we're reunited and we're going to work together and everything else. And the whole crew, uh, all the bridge crew all reply, I, Captain, which is, again, very, very nice moment that that they're all clearly behind Captain Saru, which is a nice moment for him. Again, really interesting evolution of that character. So question, Mm. um, how was there some doubt as to which one of the two of them would be take the lead? Because they were both in, in the corridor when Captain Pike left, right? Yes. Was there sort of a, you know, this is your ship now, you take it over kind of thing to, to Burnham? Or Well, I think it was one of those things where if Burnham hadn't had to go put on the suit, there might have been a more earnest discussion as to who should be in the command chair. But because she had to go, it made sense for Saru to be the acting captain. And I think everyone would have probably been okay with that if she had needed to be the captain, including Saru. But because she had to go and lead the way by putting on the, the Red Angel suit and everything, it was sort of moot at the right. time. So this is the first time that it's sort of come to a head where I think Saru is looking to her saying like, well, do you want to be the captain? And she's looking at him saying, no, you should be the captain. Um, although we'll circle back to that because that does lead to a, a better conversation uh, in a few minutes. Sure. Okay. So we cut to our uh, opening credits. We come back and Tilly is standing in front of uh, sort of an impromptu memorial wall for the people who died in the final battle before they got through the wormhole into the future and then uh, some people who may have died in the crash. Um, they don't specifically really show anybody's uh, in particular that was of note to us. Um, but Tilly is clearly in a very emotional place. Um, you know, she's she's coming to grips with the fact that, you know, not only have they lost these people whose badges and, and, uh, and stuff they're looking at, but that her family's gone, her mom's gone, her cousins are gone, everybody she knows is long since dead um, and just trying to sort of wrap her head around that whole thing and knowing that they're going to go to earth she sort of says you know well this I hope there's something there that I can that I recognize do you think do you think that there'll still be you know the pyramids will still be there well there'll still be something that says like this is still our earth um and do you think they'll still have cake? It's a very funny line about, do you think they'll still have cake? Yeah. And the line, cake is eternal, which I love that. Um, which it was immediately followed from Xavier, which is a great great in-joke here at the house, was, is, no, the cake is a lie. Um, which is, <laughs> was, I may got that. It's a portal joke, right? Right, right. Uh, no, the cake is a lie. Um, so we cut from the two of them to the transporter room. And the transporter room, George Ao is beaming uh, someone aboard and it's Book, who... Uh, has been waiting on his ship and she immediately starts to grill him a little bit about, you know, well, so what's up with you and what's up with you and uh, Michael Burnham and what's going on? And, and uh, he finds himself very quickly on the defensive and then, you know, so no, 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 we're not sleeping together. No, 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 we're not a thing. Oh, and, uh, and, you know, Georgia is sort of cocking her eyebrow at him and giving him these sort of stern 
looks and uh, trying to sort of get the measure of this man. Um, a, a funny scene. Well, well done by both of them. Interesting little little moment there. Um, Book comes comes uh, back to meet up with Burnham because Burnham owes him a debt of not just gratitude but of dilithium for helping to uh, get her to the discovery and to help get the discovery out of the ice. So he gets his first look at the deposits of dilithium that are aboard the discovery, which is for him uh, a king's ransom. He says it's enough to power one, two, three, no, maybe a dozen sectors of space. And uh, he's just sort of blown away. And uh, inevitably, of course, that leads to her sort of saying, you know, hey, you know, like, I know this is what we've been working towards, but you know, you should come with us. You should you should should tag along. And he says, well, what's in it for me? And she said, well, I'll get you I'll get you out of this sector where everybody wants to kill you. And he's like, well, no, I want to stay. I want to take care of my my giant space worms. And uh, she says, you know, there's other there's other places where you can find space worms. You know, she should come with us. So he sort of decides, OK, I'm, I'm going to come with you guys. Um so then we cut to a good scene between Saru and Burnham, where uh, Saru is trying to sort of get the measure of, you know, who Burnham is now after a year. You know, for, from his perspective, they saw each other a few days ago. And from her perspective, it's been over a year. And they're sort of, you know, feeling each other out. And he sort of says, you know, well, well you know, I'm, I must admit, Michael, I'm kind of suspicious and I'm kind of curious. Why didn't you want to be the captain? And, uh, you know, he's, he sort of says, you know, I was going to make you my, my commander, my number one. But, you know, I'm kind of wondering where your head is at. And she sort of says, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering where my head is, is at, too. And so we sort of get that sense that, you know, she was enjoying the life that she had in spite of the fact that she was missing her her uh, crewmates and missing her friends. And I think she did some bad things, too, probably. Right? Well, like yeah, it's non Starfleety kind of thing. Well, and Georgia kind of nails it later on where she sort of says, you know, this is the first time where she didn't have other people's expectations. She could just sort of be her own person. So we're kind of left to that uh, imagination of, well, is she happier in that life with Book? Is she happier being outside of Starfleet? Is she happier not being in that sort of structure? And so it does put a nice little, little, plants a little seed in your mind of, well, maybe she's not who we remember. Maybe she has gone a little more rogue. And and we will see see that come around back later in the episode so they decide okay fine uh you know she's gonna think about being number one and book decides to join the mission uh at her recommendation to uh saru but the idea is that he has to uh put his ship in their cargo bay they're gonna put the dilithium in his ship and then he's got the cloaking device so that way no one will be able to know that they have the this huge horde of dilithium and it'll hopefully take some of the target off their back uh they fire up the spore drive they kick it into gear they do this the big spinny thing, which Book finds very, very interesting and amusing. <laughs> they show up on the far side of Saturn, and then they sort of chug along at sublight speed to towards Earth. Uh, when they when they get there, they discover that you know Earth is not the place that they left that many years ago. There's this rather sophisticated shield system that goes up around Earth, and they're greeted with this alert from the United Earth Defense Force, Captain Ndoye, and she basically says, "You're not welcome." here this is i don't know what you're here for we've scanned you we're not interested in this and they say well listen you know if we, we just want to have a dialogue saru's trying to be very diplomatic he's just trying to explain the circumstances he says you know well you're welcome to you know come and talk to us and they're like fine we will and they just boof, they, they all beam aboard discovery right through the shields nothing like because he says shields up at one point right so yeah. they just beam right through everything which i thought was really interesting because obviously technology is different but it's, aren't the shields supposed to keep you from beaming out 
anyways, beaming in, beaming out. I think both, although there have been paths through that, uh, depending on the situation. Yeah, there's always a way through it by mm-hmm. sciencing it. So then we start getting into the, the you know, the, the 20 section, uh, 20 questions, right? You know, who are you? Why are you here? What are you talking about? Like, what's going on? And, you know, so Saru sort of says, you know, yeah, we're, we're here. We were on a science mission. We were descended from the original crew. They, you know, they beam through and then they're, you know, okay, so now, you know, they're going to be basically like checking things over. Burnham and Book, of course, were wearing their civilian clothes. So, you know, they got to blend in. They go and they, they uh, put on uniforms. Uh, for Burnham, you can tell that it's kind of a strange moment for her to put that uniform back on for the first time in that long. Um, that, you know, she really feels very sort of conflicted about putting it on. For Book, it's pretty straightforward. He has no interest in becoming Lieutenant Booker. Uh, you know, he's, he's talking about a mission where they had to climb through a swamp and, and you know, pick leeches off each other. And he's like, I'd rather do that than wear this uniform. Um, pretty funny. Uh, Georgia, of course, has to do the same thing. She's wearing her uh, uh, Section 31 outfit. She goes and puts on a uniform. And of course, she grabs the Admiral's uniform because <laughs> why wouldn't she? Um, pr- pretty right, funny. Yeah. Pretty funny. Um, they mentioned at this point that, uh, you know, the, the Defense Force is, is so on guard because they've been having these raiding attacks. There's this infamous uh, local raider, Wen, who is, uh, you know, uh, targeting all ships trying to get the dilithium off them. Um, and we also hear at this point that uh, Ndoye tells them, you know, there's no Federation or Starfleet on Earth. They're gone. They've been long gone. As a matter of fact, they've been gone for over 100 years. And not only that, but Earth is no longer part of the Federation, um, which is a really huge milestone that they are completely detached. They are basically have uh, gone to a protectionist society where they are just looking out for themselves. After the, the burn, they are just, they put up the shields. They are hungering down. They are their own thing. Um, I'll leave you guys to determine your own political, uh, real life, uh, behavioral models for this, this type of behavior. Um, they also find out that, uh, tall, the person that they came to, uh, try and reach out to is dead. So that's a big burn for them. Um, as part of the crew that's beamed aboard is a 16 year old, a very precocious 16 year old named Adira who beams into the engineering department and is just fascinated with the spore hub and Stamets's technology and what's going on in there. And so she's checking it out and she's clearly, she's figuring things out and, uh, and we're, we're getting a taste that this is going to be a character who's going to, uh, excel. She's going to definitely be someone who, who could, uh, sort of pull the threads on their story. And of course, as you know, vastly, uh, foretold earlier on when ships finally arrive, the Raiders come out of the, out of the black and they are there for the dilithium. Um, the, um, see what I wrote down, the United Earth crew is stuck. So yes, they've figured out that their personal transporters, those instant transporters that go through the shields aren't working. And they figure out that something has gone wrong and there's been sabotage. And so the question becomes, who did this? Who could have done, who could have sabotaged us so that we're stuck here? Um, so then we cut to the next scene where Tilly and Stamets are in engineering and they are sort of, you know, vexed by these people and of course they immediately turn their suspicions to Adira because she was so interested in their equipment and their technology they think that maybe she had something to do this who thinks this Tilly and Stamets oh okay yeah um meanwhile Burnham and Book decide to take matters into their own hands they've got a plan so they hop aboard Book's ship 
and they take off and they head towards where the raiders are. And Bookstore says, you know, shouldn't you tell your captain guy what we're doing? She's like, no, no, you'll have to trust me. And Saru is ticked. And uh, Ndoye, the, the United Earth captain, basically says, like, okay, they cannot turn over all that dilithium to uh, the raiders. We're going to take them out. So she says, you know, Earth defenses are going to target them. And so they're going to they're going to blast them out of the sky. Um, and while this is happening, we're also getting an interesting interplay between Burnham and Book, who clearly have been uh, building quite the rapport and clearly have been uh, ne'er-do-wells because they're talking about all these like, well, we could try it like this. It was like, remember that mission? We did this. And we did that. And clearly they've had quite the quite the busy year of doing stuff. But they think that they can, they, they can work this guy when. So... Uh, as the United Earth vessel or United Earth defenses are about to start shooting at uh, Book and Burnham, Saru makes the decision. You know what? Okay, we can't let them get blown up. This guy, they have our dilithium and they're our friends. We're not going to let them get blown up. Put Discovery in between the defenses and that ship. And when he gives that order, Detmer is clearly gun shy. She has this moment, and so we know from last episode she was pretty shaken by the rather. Um, turbulent entry they had into the 32nd century and they uh she's clearly not ready for that and he sort of says you know i've given my order do it so they put themselves between the two ships and in one blast their shields are toasted and they're in trouble and so they know that there's going to be another blast and um you know just before the other blast can be delivered burnham and book turn up on the ship and they have captured Wen. so as soon as Wen lowered his shields to get the lithium aboard they beamed him out and they captured him and uh, they bring him aboard. They're questioning him. He's got this really sort of weird space helmet. You're not sure if he's an alien or what's going on. And uh, Georgia decides to do her own version of diplomacy by hoofing him in the back of the leg so that he crumbles and then ripping his helmet off. And of course, he turns out to be uh, a rather beleaguered looking old man. Human. Yeah, human. And so we cut from there. We go back down to dis- to Discovery down towards the engineering part. And Stamets finds Adira and Adira is uh, in a Jeffrey's tube and she's poking around and he says, listen, you know, like I know what you're doing. I know you're the one that sabotaged us. And he sort of lays it out on the line and he is not pulling any punches. He talks about how they're from the past. He talks about what the spore drive is. He basically puts it all on the line and she says, well, you know, yeah, I, I, I really, I just wanted to find a way that I could stay here longer. I really wanted to see your technology. I really wanted to understand it. And so she says, you know, actually, you know, I've got two things that I want to tell you. One, I know Tal. So, you know, maybe he's not so dead after all. And two, I want to come with you when you guys leave. Um, we cut back to the the, the um, conference room and we find out that when the raider is actually from a colony on Titan, uh, they had sort of seceded, I guess, from the, uh, the, the oversight of Earth in the past. They had their own colony and things were going well and then things started going badly they say that there was a catastrophe that uh, sort of ruined their uh, some of their soil and made things really hard living conditions there for there they say that they you know did actually initially sort of send city alpha five right yeah pretty much they basically they said they sent a mission uh of mercy to earth to ask for help and they were shot out of the sky and that's when they decided you know what fine if that's the way it's going to be we're just going to become raiders and we're going to start this and so 
we start to see this move towards, well, they're actually, uh, there is common ground and that, you know, they start to get Ndoye and when talking and they realize that they could actually help each other. And, you know, and we see the sort of, you know, the right, you know, of the Federation, the right of the Starfleet uh, is actually going to be the right answer for these two, that there is a nonviolent solution that they can work their way through and they agree to start working on negotiations. So victory for the, the Federation starfleet way of life yeah such a such a typical star trek kind of solution to things yeah. where yeah everybody's like yeah this is food, fine we'll forget all the bad blood we've had over the years you remember all those people you killed yeah it's, it's fine and, yeah. you know yeah yep. um we get a little bit more detail on adira she is revealed that uh she is not a trill but she is tall so right. tall the trill symbiote is inside of her even though she is a human being mm-hmm. but because she's not a trill uh, her full access to Tall's memories are not that kind of connection. So, again, it's a good setup, interesting character, um, some new blood joins the crew, and she is now going to come aboard and is going to go with them, and we're going to start heading down this mystery of uh, where's the Federation, where's Starfleet, who is still involved, and we're going to get it through uh, the prism of this young woman, or young person, I should say, she, uh, since she is, I think, one of the um, LGBTQ uh, plus characters that has been added this year. So um, then we get a nice scene between Burnham and Saru, where Burnham sort of apologizes. Not really. She sort of says, you know, I should have told you, which I guess is an apology. She never actually says I'm sorry or my bad or anything like that. And she sort of says, well, you know, maybe I'm just not ready to be a number one. And he says, you know, well, maybe you are. And she says, yeah, actually, we, I am. So we end up with her being sort of anointed uh the number one, the commander, mm-hmm. um, in a twist that I guess was predictable, but I, I will see how long it lasts. Book is, you know, obviously not meant for Starfleet life, and he's packing up his troubles, and he is uh, he's taking his fancy disappearing ship, and he's leaving. So yeah, he's gonna be, he's gonna be the uh, Han Solo that pops in later on to save the day, kind of thing. You know? Yeah, it's really just a matter of time before he returns. Um, but for the time being, uh, we get the sort of moment of the two of them saying goodbye, and there's a will they won't they is there a little are they gonna hug what's in he just sort of walks away and but of course he turns around he looks at her before he goes so he's not quite done with her yet um the united earth force has decided to let some of the crew of discovery have permission to go down and see earth uh because of the good work that they did and saru says to burnham well you know you can go with them and she says no i like the view from up here right next to here with you um and then we cut down to the planet and we see a lot of the bridge crew we see tilly we see detmer we see um a bunch of the uh, reese and and them all sort of back on the grounds of starfleet academy or what was starfleet academy they don't say what it is now and there's this huge tree in the middle of the quad that they all remember and it's grown in, over time and they feel this connection to okay well some things change with them some things stay the same we we stood in this spot 900 years ago and and now we're back in the spot and so it sort of centers them that this universe is still there universe and they belong here and and that is our sort of farewell is is that that you know things change but they stay the same the academy's still there the tree's still there and they are still alive dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. yeah so, did, so 
we talked about the the two new characters that are coming to Discovery mm-hmm. this year. One of them is is uh, the young lady person um, person person. Yes, what's her name again? Adira. Adira. Yeah. Now, so when you first saw her, did you recognize her as one of the new characters that was coming on the show, or did you kind of just go with the, the, the plot? I recognized the description that. Uh... From the description, I recognize that this was going to be one of those characters because she is, um, excuse me, I keep using she and I apologize to those who are offended by that. In in fairness, I think the character in this episode used she, uh, understandably, you're you're trying to correct, I understand why, because from what we knew going into the season, it was a non-binary character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think in this episode, strictly speaking, the non-binary nature wasn't talked about. And I think Adira referred as as she or her uh coming from themselves so uh definitely appreciated the correction but i don't think you need to feel that bad because stamets also refers to her that way as well mm-hmm. when she when she goes into the sport drive and you know yeah she's poking around and yeah yeah and they haven't gone through that part and perhaps the the non-binary nature will come up as they go explore more of oh what does it mean for this human to have a trill symbiote in them I so, so i totally forgot about the character coming on the show and so i kind of just went with the story i I did kind of think she was familiar looking because I think we've seen pictures of her. Yes. But, or her, or they, or whatever. They. Um, they. Um, and, and, um, them. <laughs> and, uh, but, and it wasn't until the very end when she started announcing that she was actually um, Admiral uh, Tall that, that I recognized, oh, this is that, ca- one of the characters is going to stay on the show because obviously she wants to come and join the Discovery crew, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, just, um, I just double checked to see how we refer to it. So in the, um, Star Trek announcement. The mm-hmm. the performer's name is Blue Del Barrio. Blue is a non-binary actor who uses they them pronouns, and that is also the pronouns they prefer for Adira. So right. henceforth, okay. we will refer to Adira as Adira mm-hmm. or them and they. Um, yeah. We apologize if we accidentally. Um, slip into uh gender-based pronouns but um we're working on it we really are trying and mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's you know it's nice that we are obviously getting these um things we do see that um she does sort of take a shine to stamets right away she's pretty drawn mm-hmm. to him she's fascinated by the fact that he's the sort of uh thing that makes the spore drive work and and uh, they did mention in that initial uh release that that her character is going to be quite um bonded and attached with Stamets and Culber. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Cause mm, I see. Right? Yeah. Cause you know, clearly uh, they are a whiz. He and... does sort of say to her, sorry to them that, um, you know, you don't seem like a regular kind of person, mm-hmm. you know, like, like he does sort of sense something different about her or something. He says, there's more to you. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and we've never seen as an interesting dynamic too, you know, the idea of a uh, trill inside of a human is something that's never really, I think, been explored. I mean, can you remember any references to that? I, I can't remember that, that coming across before. Which specific aspect? A, a trill symbiote inside of a human being's body. Not long term term i mean riker had to temporarily yeah post, uh odan or yep. odin i can't remember the name when when crusher had the mm-hmm. uh the the trill lover and then yep. they learned that oh the symbiote actually still exists but it's going to be a completely different person now mm-hmm. um 
I don't I don't think this is uh, normal mm-hmm. and I think that will probably play into the character's um special place here where they're having to figure out well this is kind of unprecedented right to have uh this senator or sorry not senator uh Mosey Starfleet admiral admiral, admiral. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, admiral yeah Starfleet admiral who was like clearly trying to bring Starfleet and the Federation back together died however they died possibly under mysterious circumstances right we, we need to cover more of that and I'm guessing the they're having trouble accessing their memories sort of thing and and they know more than they really should mm-hmm. fits into like oh yeah what if this is you know simply like like uh, Jedzia Dax or Ezra yep. Dax like they had access to more memories and knowledge than would be possible given their their youthful ages yep. and this person has that as well you know given the the uh, 30th century or whatever century they're in um Wesley Crusher right of yep. like you know genius I was like well part of that's the symbiote thing but also it's it's not completely an advantage because it, it feels like the the human and trill symbiote biologies aren't really meant to be together so that might play into some of the storylines as well i think mm-hmm. of like, yeah. they won't be like oh like here i am as encyclopedia it'd be more like oh wait you know what you said this thing that suddenly triggers this memory i have that can help us solve the situation mm-hmm. that's how i think the writers yeah, will it's play interesting it. from the math point of view that the message was sent by admiral tall 12 years ago and they're only 16 so yeah yeah so when 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 in their life did they get the symbiote put into them right mm-hmm. maybe as a at a young age it was probably more feasible or something so yeah. i mean the, the, the symbiotes as shown and maybe it was like a younger one or something like this isn't going to play well for a canadian on it's they're roughly the size of an american football <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> to be confused with a canadian football that's a different I thing know, i don't know how many yeah i don't know if that size is exactly the same uh, the nfl and college are slightly different in dimensions um i don't know how many hockey pucks it takes to 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 do that but but bear with me we had football in canada too but our balls our balls are bigger yeah you got it (laughs) right so approximately the size of a football whether canadian or american and shoving one of those inside of a four-year-old seems like there isn't a lot of room to go (laughs) (laughs) in that size of body so i'm kind of curious how this ends up working yeah i guess we'll get a lot more as the the weeks go on again interesting introduction to a, a character she excuse me they are very uh um interesting you know like it's it is nice to have a little bit of um new energy right okay cool yeah i'm i'm thinking given just what's happened in these first three episodes uh, not related to adira but related to how i think michael burnham's character is going to play out this this year is that um we can see this split in philosophy between what Giorgio and saru represent where mm-hmm. saru's like we're starfleet we don't shoot first we're gonna die if we have to honorably and mm-hmm. Giorgio is like no 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 you do whatever it takes to survive and michael seems like she is going to be kind of caught between those two sides of like she has the the starfleety you know you got to live up to these principles but has also clearly had to compromise at least some level of those just to get along in this crazy sort of lawless world right where there's going to be that i think tension of when when is it okay to, to bend the rules when is it okay to stick to your principles sort of thing that's that's my prediction for what the rest of the episodes will play out as yeah that's a, that's actually a really shrewd assessment of that yeah and i think you're right i think it makes sense and then they do sort of show you those extremes with you know saru saying that exact line right he says you know uh we do not fire first and then you know he takes the defensive position and yeah it's it's uh it is a perfect analogy and now that she's sort of had this year of being uh 
a swashbuckler. Um, yeah, where does Burnham's heart lie, right? Uh, you know, and and you know, will we see Book come back and tempt her away and and move that forward? Mm-hmm. Again, it, it, she's she's been in a really, really maybe one of the most sort of most complex characters we've seen in Star Trek and you know, which is saying something after only two years and a couple of or two seasons and a, and a couple of episodes but the the kind of moral quandaries and uh, ethical complexities that have had uh, they've had in front of Burnham have made her a very very interesting character very very realized in a way that I, I you know not all the characters I mean it's taken some time certainly we've gotten that with some of the other characters but it's taken a lot more time she's gotten a lot of um, depth in a short or a short amount of time you know making the decisions in the first season you know where she sort of decides that you know she's going to take action and that she has to make up for those actions and you know they really have put her in some interesting moral and ethical quandaries that uh that make the show quite compelling and 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 Sinequa Martin Green's such a fantastic actor she really brings that to life I think it'll be interesting to see some of the the time-based differences they, they didn't uh lean on it too heavy but I think there was a little nod towards the for her seeing discoveries like oh my gosh it's been so long since I've seen you. And some of the characters like, wow, we, we're glad to see you because we, we never thought we'd see you again. But practically speaking, it it's wasn't been 10 minutes. Come on. Yeah. That's why that one guy who comes out of the turbulence, I was like, hey, what's up? Good to see you again. And Michael's kind of taken back. Like, what the hell, dude? Well, like, because from that dude's perspective, it's only been like a day. You know, yeah. you haven't been gone that long. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's interesting, too. So we have this this sort of long story arc that we're going to you know develop over this over the series or this particular season. Terms, you know, where like like they did last year with with search, the search for Spock. Right. Um, but but they at the same time they have this sort of typical Star Trek pattern where within forty minutes you know you go from absolute guns drawn conflict to hey we're all going to have a party and let's go down and have a picnic on the green grass of Earth kind of thing you know mm-hmm. and, like dance around the Maypole and whatever like it's it's you know um, these two people who have been uh, warring with each other you know the 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 raider and and this defense person like there there isn't I'm sorry there's not a cop on the world in the world or security person in the world who would that easily drop their defenses once you know they realize oh he's just wearing a funny helmet you know mm. um he's really not such a bad guy after all you know like they like you know like i always say to people when 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 you have a hammer everything looks like a nail seems to be the you know the, the way they operate and i can't i don't buy that they so easily you know bury the hatchet as it were you know to use that metaphor yeah but i mean i do i will say in defense of that when when the helmet comes off is just such a pitiable sight. Like he's gaunt and he's older and he's looking like he is just so have ragged. Have you not seen this actor before? I'm... I possibly I don't know him. He's he's Norwegian. I've forgotten his name, but but he was he was one of the most nasty guys in uh, in um, the he- Hell on Wheels show. That oh that, yeah, um, yeah, I never saw that one. Yeah, it, what's his name? Captain Pike came from Anson Anson Adams. Anson Anson Mount. Yeah, um, yeah. He was he was a piece of work, and he's been he's been in a few shows where he's just like a you know sort of scoundrelly kind of guy. Um, this is the first time I've sort of seen him play like with with sort of an American an accent as it were right because mm. he's usually got sort of Swedish he's called the Swede in 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 uh in uh, Hell and Wheels but he's actually he's actually from Norway which he, he makes a point of pointing out to people all the time but um you know because you know 1800s or whatever they're they're not very they're very racist mm. in terms of how they address people but um yeah he's 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 played some pretty pretty bent characters in his time right so mm. yeah it's interesting like as soon as I saw him I thought oh yeah here we go this is that same guy and he's he's always sort of got this you know pathetic look 
look, but he's he's really sort of a snidely kind of guy in the background, right? So, but he didn't. The character didn't have that in in this show, right? Sort of, you know, we're supposed to supposed to like, you know, Khan didn't bury the the hatchet that quickly, right? Like, you know, once once Kirk went, oh wait a minute, you know, we did put you on the wrong planet, and sorry about you know the the sun going nova or whatever it was that that caused City Alpha Six to become City City Alpha Five or whatever. Mm. Um, you know, I just find it convenient. I mean, like you know, in 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 this in original series, it made sense that they would t- tie up loose ends in in an hour, right? But every single episode of Star Trek from the get go has always had some sort of conflict that that ends up in solved and solved in an episode or maybe a two parter, right? Except for the whole like again, I just watched. I think I mentioned before we started recording, we lost that recording like tears and rain. Um, <laughs> that I was watching um, All Good Things, you know, part two and part one and and in that one obviously you know like the first episode i think encounter at farpoint uh, q shows up right yeah and and puts picard on trial and then you know in in the wrap-up spoilers for those of you who haven't seen this 10 years ago um that in the end of end of uh um all good things in fact he says all good things must come to an end at the end of it mm. um he says you've been on trial the whole the whole seven years that the show's been on sort of thing right so they do have some they have the ability to have arcs that go across you know entire episodes but uh you know or across the entire seasons or across the entire series in that sense but but they always every episode seems to have a beginning middle and an end right so conveniently yeah right? well and i guess in this way we're it's also over the course of a season or you know we may get more from this going forward although you yeah. you i think your initial observation is pretty bang on that you know it was a very like and the forces of federation and starfleet policy you know prevail and, and happily ever after yeah, yeah. so yeah, we get you. Yeah, i mean that was something that they did in in you know like oh laundry was just a big computer thing let's destroy the computer and everybody will be happy and whatever and then what was that show you were talking about a couple of weeks ago jaime or was it on uh, lower decks it was lower where, decks where they went back <laughs> they went back and it's like mayhem because they don't have the computer to follow anymore mm-hmm. right? so you know like captain kirk forgot about like it's you know like Vietnam and you know uh, ISIS and all these kind of places where the states go in and they they you know they settle the conflict and yet they they end up you know never being able to pull out completely because they, the it's a mess you know afterwards right they they remove the infrastructure that kept the I mean for all that the couriers as a pirate network and stuff like that I mean it's a system that carries on you know and and Burnham had to play along in order to survive for a year right but but even though you know the the story has now moved to Earth and this, this conflict, the pirates are still out there making deals and kicking butts and taking names, you know? Like, stuff is still happening in the back room of Quark's bar, if you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just, it's just too convenient to wrap it up with a bow. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to assume extreme racism, like, oh man, I thought you were a creepy alien and you were human all this time, I would invite you in for beers, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Like, we exactly. got real racist in the time and we, we, we say Wait, no to So we're 900 years in the future they don't have scanners that can detect a life form i mean maybe they were like you know uh, doing some sort of um anti-scanner stuff of like oh wheels appear like something else you know to be mysterious right scarier they have no yeah they've run out of technology and resources on titan but they have the capability to put on a you know what was that cloak that uh, cloak of invincibility that harry potter had right (laughs) yeah they're like look we have everything we need except literally this unobtainium this is like the one thing (laughs) we need we have everything else (laughs) 
in an abundance yeah. except this. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, we can't feed our we can't feed our kids, but we can, you know, we can make these awesome masks and have a Halloween. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to our watch list. Um, what have we got What's going on here? Oh, look, it's me. Um, yeah, this is cool. I, I saw this the other day, and, and it, it, interesting thing, what they've done is this is deep fake technology where it's machine learning and, and visual analysis and that kind of stuff, and they've taken um, William Shatner and Chris, Christopher Pine and Zachary Quinto and Leonard Nimoy and and also, and also Carl Urban and, and uh, DeFrost Kelly, Kelly and they've they've uh, merged these two peoples together and they've shown scenes from you know the the J.J. Abrams version of Star Trek and some of the um, Kirk ones or some of the later ones with Kirk in uh, like I think Generations maybe and they've deep faked these two char- two actors together to make a sort of combination. So that, you know, and as much as Chris Pine looks like William Shatner at the same age, you know, like when you watch this, you're like, am I looking at William Shatner or am I looking at Chris Pine, you know, as they go through these different scenes and, and they play it out. And of course, they leave the voices the same as they would have been in the original the original shows. But, you know, there's like scenes where you're looking at Carl or Carl Kelly or DeFrost, DeFrost Urban, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, you're, you're looking at it and it's it's really kind of an, an, an amazing sort of amalgam of, of these two people. So it's kind of cool, and that's called uh, Star Trek First Generation Deep Fake. And there's a link here to the to that and on the YouTube. Uh, and another thing, I saw this trailer uh, a couple of days ago, and again, I saw it during the during the discovery. Just watched just now. It's called Moonbase Eight. Fred Armisen, uh, or what's his name? C. Kelly. What's that guy's name again? From Chicago movie Chicago. No, never seen Maybe. it. Com- comedian, comedian actors. They're talking about they're they're doing this sort of uh, moon base kind of thing where they. They want to go to Mars, or they have to go back to the moon, or something. So they're all they're all want to be astronauts, uh, sort of comedy, kind of Martian-y, like sort of similar to the Martian kind of thing. Um, comedy is starting in November, so that's kind of interesting. I'm looking forward to watching Moonbase Eight. It's called. And Jonathan, you've got some really really depressing stuff to watch. <laughs> yeah, you think it's depressing? <laughs> well, it's dramatic. I mean, get your popcorn I, ready. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm waiting. For, I'm waiting for the for the. It's a two parter, I think. Right? It's two being. Yeah, I think it's so. going to be like a six week parter but uh mm. yeah I, I i looked through to see if there was anything sort of uh sci-fi fantasy in our in our wheelhouse that's happening this weekend i didn't really see anything yeah. um you know by the time this uh this pod is up and running uh the first episode of mandalorian which is what we talked about last week i will have definitely got into that but the thing that yeah. i am most looking forward to that is better than anything that could be contrived bucket of popcorn we folks. here in canada will as the rest of the world will be uh watching with uh interested uh, uh eyes to see what happens uh, beginning with the u.s election on tuesday um hopefully right. everything goes nicely and everybody behaves themselves and uh and it's yeah. the best of all worlds where we have a fair and just election and uh we have all kinds of good stuff but given how this tumultuous this year has been i i don't know that that's necessarily the case but uh i honestly right. i can't think of anything that is going to be more compelling that's going to be in my television whether it was scripted or otherwise than what's going to unfold on Tuesday. So I saw an interesting post the other day for the for the Biden camp that said we we prefer science over fiction. <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was fitting for this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, yeah, you, you you could definitely make the case that fiction is uh, is the preferred uh, method of uh, of one of the candidates, and uh, I don't know that science is necessarily yeah. the one of the other one, but he he seems to keep using that word over and over again, which is a good sign. So who's that? Uh, well, Joe Biden says we will follow the science. He says he says that repeatedly on the stumps. Oh. 
So yeah, we right. will see. Uh, again, I wish nothing but the best for our American neighbors. Jaime, I hope everything goes smoothly down there, and that it's uh, it's not the uh, Gong Show that uh, it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, my my ballot has already been received. It has a little tracking thing. I see that it's successfully been uh, submitted. And that's cool. Do they have technology to do that? Like I guess a barcode or something, right? I mean, there is a QR code on the little stub, but I discovered that that does nothing. <laughs> I'm not sure what its right. purpose is. It's certainly not for right. my use. You go into um, votewa.gov um, and you know you put in your information, and it's like, all right, cool. We've we've gotten we sent your ballot on this date, and we received it on this date back from you. And uh, it's not as cool as, at my understanding, Oregon does, where they actually text you this stuff. So slightly mm-hmm. better technology there. You know, kudos to the Oregonians. Um, but I am also uh, advising folks to be really clear not to stockpile because that just makes the problem worse but uh, if you're a little low on toilet paper or other essentials you might want to make sure you you find a little bit of time this weekend to to make that trip because people might do nutty things as they did at the beginning of the pandemic so again not stockpile don't make an igloo (laughs) out of the toilet paper (laughs) just get like you know more than one roll so you're not left out uh, well it's surprising you say that because like like you know i have a piece of medical equipment that i'm supposed to use and it requires distilled water and we've not been able to find distilled water in any of the grocery stores ever. Mm. Like maybe you find a bottle here and there, but it's mostly bottled water has taken place of all the you know racks and racks of bottled water, but not no distilled water. And, and you know things like that are really surprising of what's missing in the, the pandemic. You know, so yeah. limitations as an example. Um, yeah, yeah. As, as kind of a silly thing to bring up as it is, uh, I noticed the other day that McDonald's had radically modified its all-day breakfast menu, probably. Mm-hmm. Based on like, look, man, like we're just not going to make as much stuff because we're not getting as much business, so we can't mm. have all the options. Right. So if even a, right. a, a mega corporation is like, maybe we need to cut back a little bit, it just tells you how um, how dire a situation everything is for the moment. So yeah, just yeah. pulling through. So th- th- this is perhaps a, a good season of discovery to have now of like, hey, everything was dire, but here's how. Hopefully, it ends happily or on the path. Not in years in the future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, lots of fun. All right, yeah, I was watching the Connor Connor. It's funny, I was watching a lot of shows that have just come on the air, and, and everybody's wearing masks on the shows mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and so the Connors was on the other day, and uh, and um, the showrunner, what's her name, uh, Melissa Gilbert, mm-hmm. right? She did a she did a sort of little speech at the end there about, you know, the importance of voting and that kind of stuff, and, and um, um, what's her dad's name? Um, you know the actor. Oh, John um, Goodman. Goodman? John Goodman, mm-hmm. yeah. He says, in, in character, he says, well, I got my ballot, and I filled it out, and I walked, you know, and I dropped it on the floor on the ground where right where the mailbox used to be <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's hope people aren't doing that Alrighty, so uh, Jaime you got something for our watch list yeah it's more of a, a fun generator in this case it's a Star Trek episode generator or more like an mm-hmm. episode um, you know teaser synopsis sort of thing so apparently mm-hmm. this is powered by uh, good old machine learning AI stuff where they've run presumably the kinds of um, synopsis you might see on like a you know Wikipedia list of episodes sort of thing or here's what Amazon yeah. or Netflix or CBS Access they like here's what this episode is vaguely about decide if you want to watch it sort of thing yeah. and it's kind of fun some of them are better than others some of them are way wordier than others but here's one that I happen to get episode number 265 while on an away mission the Enterprise encounters a strange being that puts them in touch with the quote sky dog or <laughs> number 866 the crew of the Enterprise encounters 
is a silicon-based organism that can reproduce and reproduce at will, which is, I mean, just <laughs> bizarre. I'm here, click the magic button yeah. again. So the Enterprise is unwittingly, unwittingly used to present a unique gift to an alien race, the beautiful, the beautiful Endorian. But when her mother is found dead in her quarters, the crew must deal with a difficult decision of who to kill. <laughs> or while in command of the Enterprise after an attack, Picard is recalled the Vulcan, and after the Vulcan High Council lost all contact with him, and as he has to visit his old friend, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, he... and he has a suggestion for him? Wait, what? Is Picard and Picard? I don't get it. All right. So Tom Hardy's yeah, coming back? <laughs> I don't know. This one is, like, hyper-elaborate. Like, you would hope this would be, like, a two-parter. So, the Enterprise is caught in a time loop, which takes them to several planets where the Klingons are believed to be active soldiers. Picard suspects the Ferengi may be reliving the bitter memories of their dead ancestors, but the truth is, there's no time to move forward. The sooner they are caught, the sooner the Romulans can be stopped. Like, this is an intense <laughs> episode. Like, wow, this is like a, a weird whodunit. Like, what's going, what's happening here? This is a dream within a dream within a holodeck <laughs> simulation sort of thing, in an alternate reality sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, another time warp one. The crew of the Enterprise gets ta- caught in a time loop, and Riker and the Doctor accidentally getting aliens drunk and driving home <laughs> drunk, while they try to help the planet ransom. <laughs> Interesting stuff. Yeah, it's, 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 I like these sort of bs kind of things, right? So lots of fun. I'm yeah. sure those will become plots in no time. Yeah. yeah. See how desperate they get. Yeah. Anyway, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? Uh, I can be found on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. And Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you. I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. And my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. Until next time, we'll see you in the future. If there is a future. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. This is John Luke Picard. Shut up, Wesley. Sorry, say again. Just the tag. Gotcha. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Yeah. <laughs> what do that's, you know? I know that's at the level. I'm waiting for like, civil war. Civil war is coming in. Let's, let's pull <laughs> out your knife and carving no fate but what we make into exactly, the table. Yeah. Harsh. Oh, I'm talking about us. I was talking about you know. Oh yeah, because I'm sure that the Americans will be well behaved and respect our border if it all goes south. Yeah, they'll, they'll, well, that's what I'm saying. They might turn off the internet or something. Or who knows? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that that, like you said, that there there are checks and balances. You know, there's not going to be any hanging electric electronic hanging chads because I mean, you know, there is one member of what, who's running who's running around saying that everything's fake and it's going to be all BS and right. Yeah, and unfortunately, there's a number of people who uh, who believe. That.
perceive that as yep. the truth, and it uh, could lead to some very serious consequences. So, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I read a couple of good articles today. There's a there's a good one in um, oh god, where was it? The Atlantic somewhere today. I read one that was about like what legitimately are the worst case scenarios from uh, election day, and they were talking about like mm-hmm. all these, and they were talking about yeah, like active voter suppression where some of these armed militias are are like actively like literally picking up ballot boxes and like you know smashing them and taking them and throwing them into lakes and stuff and i was like whoa wow okay well hopefully it doesn't get that bad well what's going on in philadelphia because i I heard there's like riots and police and well there was another unfortunately there was another shooting of a um a black person in philadelphia a few days ago Mm -hmm. um the police have said that he was armed with a knife um but um of course any police violence on the black community is being met with very very uh, loud uh, response lately and um, not without justification although in this case I think we need to see how it plays out but um, yeah things have sort of heated up there in the past few days and Philadelphia is a, a pretty damn tough town at the best of times so to have it roiled and in the midst of the election and in the midst of this is um, it's kind of a perfect storm unfortunately so uh, Jaime have you got the extra rolls of toilet paper? I've got enough given that we, we keep at a higher sustained level given the experience we had in the early days of people stockpiling mm. um could use a couple more you know um <laughs> just in case it's like the the pro tip the real pro tip was hey you know what people probably aren't buying they're probably not buying the commercial grade one that ends up in like doctor's offices mm-hmm. and you know the, the bathroom at the uh the kfc or something right like the big role that they don't have to change too often mm-hmm. and then you yeah. just get a stand that has this it's comically sized roll it's like whatever nobody's coming over who's gonna see this this uh unsightly site so yeah and although i will say that my my um my father owns a company that does cleaning supplies and stuff for office buildings and so he used to bring that stuff home by the case thinking well it's a good cost savings but the quality is definitely a deterrent in the long term if you're in the you know, bathroom at the office and you're like well i've got to go you kind of make do with what's available but on an everyday every single time you go basis especially when you're not going out very much i think that would get uncomfortable over the course of time this one didn't work out too bad so i think we lucked out because i just assumed it would be the experience that you talked about they're like all right this is this is going to be the communist paper that uh, (laughs) (laughs) they found in a sealed cask you know after the 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 russian permafrost on frost they're like hey let's just put this on the market it's put it on amazon right and um (laughs) that wasn't the case i have in retrospect no idea what my elementary school as a young lad used because i assumed it was going to be that and so apparently there must be a cheaper layer (laughs) a a, a tier of class of 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 this sort of stuff so i lucked out for what you're talking about but it is definitely no frills you know there's no comfort weave there's no (laughs) you know uh infused with lotion to to keep you you know from drying it no 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 it's just like it's this or you got some leaves get your business done get out right right exactly yeah Yeah, i i did see a a couple of good stories in the past few months about what companies are doing to sort of uh, make sure that their production levels stay up and one of the ones was around uh paper products here in canada they were talking to one of the main uh producers up here and they were saying well so what are you doing and he said you know in order to try and keep production uh at a high level what we're doing is we're streamlining right we're getting rid of the the absolute bottom 
the absolute top and we're aiming for the middle because that's where we can produce it at the highest volume and um, make sure that, every, that we're meeting our demands. So yeah, if you if you were used to buying the bargain brand, it's not there. If you're used to buying the premium brand, it's not there. Um, and I've noticed that even in some of the products that I buy, like, um, you know, a few different places said that, you know, they're basically, if they produced, you know, for the sake of argument, 10 different types of cookies at the Nabisco plant, now they're producing six because it's just easier to produce the six that sell the best and not produce the ones that are on the fringes because they just don't have the capacity um, with the, the amount of workers that are off and the shift changes and everything else. Um, so that the, they were talking about that for, uh, and I've noticed that in doing shopping for my kids and stuff, there's some products that, you know, they were fond of and I'm like, it's it's gone. Like it just doesn't exist anymore. They're gone. So, um, you know, ter- certain type of cookies that Foster liked is gone. A certain type of breakfast cereal that we used to buy just doesn't exist anymore. It's, some products have just sort of vanished. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And in spite of the fact that things up here, you know, we are definitely in the midst of our um, second wave up here where the numbers are going up and, and restrictions are becoming, you know, more in place and everything. Um, but it's still, you know, like I was out doing grocery shopping earlier today and it still seems somewhat business as usual as it was a few weeks ago. But uh, I went to the local Walmart to buy some products today and the entire paper towel section is gone, like not a single one in the entire store. Mm. So, yeah, I think I paid last week, I think I paid $8 for eight rolls of, of uh, paper towels. Really? Because it was like the only brand they had in the entire store. Wow. So I've just told everybody now you have to eat over the sink. <laughs> oh, because they all use them as plates? Well, you use napkins for like wiping your mouth and whatever else. And now you just eat oh, over the okay, sink. Yeah, yeah. Anything spills, it just hits the sink. You wash it down. You're there. You just wipe your face off in the water. It's all fine. You know. right, right. It's a good thing I have sons. Yeah. It's hmm? a good thing to have sons sometimes. It's time to learn what bachelor life is. You make your mac and cheese <laughs> and you don't use a bowl. The, the, bowl, yeah. the bowl is the pot that you made it in. So That's right. The pot's got a that. handle for a reason, son. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Well, well, my iPhone replies on uh, Monday. I'll be tracking that. I'm getting, uh, this is a weird one. So I got a note from Best Buy Canada this morning that said my PlayStation 5 remote control <laughs> is coming tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the system doesn't come out for two more weeks. But you have to sign for it to receive it? Yeah. It, well, we get the same thing. You'll get your charger and your other stuff long before you'll get your actual phone. It's just yeah. funny. That's the first time that's ever, I can recall that ever happening on a video game release and I, I you know really I both have covered video game releases as a professional and I've, I've obviously been a, a consumer over the, the past 30 plus years and uh, really? I can never I, I cannot recall at any time peripherals for a system coming out before the system hmm. yeah that's true that's now true. you could argue it makes a lot of sense though the idea that if they're distributing all of that stuff ahead of time it makes it that much less that they may need to do down the road but then if you're ordering the peripherals it's probably because you're ordering the system so they're gonna have to come to your house anyways so i don't know i guess it keeps the trucks from being overloaded on the day of delivery they can just fill it with units and not with peripherals but i don't know it's a strange choice it probably makes the packing easier because unless they put like a sleeve or something to make those all uniform Mm. you would have a whole bunch of boxes that are shaped exactly the same for the home system itself Mm. and then you'd have a whole bunch of boxes that are shaped exactly the same for the controllers so even though it seems counterintuitive like dude just get some duct tape and duct tape that thing to mine yeah and just you know 
was put it on the truck. It's like, well, but now we've got a like semi pyramid shape that we're talking <laughs> about here, right? Or or like an oblong rectangle that not all not everybody got the extra controller or something. So how do we pack versus just tightly pack these things, get them on a pallet and ship them over, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll I'll be happy if everything arrives intact and on time. That's uh, in this day and age, it's that's kind of a win on its own. Be interesting to see how Christmas shipping is handled this year when cutoffs will come and you know mm. we often send uh, send a care package to our family in australia and everything else we, they're going to need it mailed by november 2nd wow yeah my, my family's been like oh well, we want to send you stuff but it, it might be late i'm like i'm gonna be here the entire time there's not like the normal like well you either better hold on to that thing so when i go into town you can give it to me or you need to ship it so it definitely arrives before i leave or definitely arrives after i have returned and now it's like well i'm just gonna be here the entire holiday season so it can come in january for all i care it doesn't matter i'll be here i'll get it just as nicely yeah how did uh i meant to ask you i saw that um things are getting kind of bad in el paso is is everybody with your side okay yeah my, my friends and family over there are okay thankfully they're going into the city's going down into like a lockdown again for like two weeks mm. starting tomorrow i think and the local um university uh football team in the same week because i'm still on their like alumni distribution list went from like hey utep is playing north texas okay uh no fans in the stadium all right Mm -hmm. we've postponed the game i'm like holy smokes that is a rapidly deteriorating uh situation there so um you know it 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 sucks because obviously like uh, my ears perk up more uh, when it's texas and certainly given the size of texas when in the the el paso area um i've sort of uh, uh you know keep in touch with family try to tell everybody hey yo stay home don't go out don't do nothing yeah it's tough but like watch netflix or something you know just just deal with it um it, it's tough you know because it's been see what is it i don't know when they started but let's say you know it's been six or seven months of, of stuff and people are they're getting pretty fatigued and yeah. i think it's yeah. It's different when, um, you know, I think if there was like bombs dropping, dropping outside the window, I think people would have a little bit more motivation to stay inside. But when you have a non-obvious risk benefit analysis, it, uh, you know, human nature sort of plays into it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, scary times. Indeed. Indeed. Yep. I guess it's time to call it. Yep. Alrighty. Hope to see what happens next week. Yep. It will hey, be folks. me next week. Correct. Yep. Recap? Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Talk to you guys All later. Right. Have a good night, guys. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.